fool, Blizzard. Call me Snake. Captain Run! Martin just wanted a nice, quiet family vacation. Instead, he got Captain Ron. That is the best tagline that they could put together for this movie that we'll be talking about. Also, according to the DVD cover... Oh, it's the best. According to New York Newsday, that popular publication... Very reputable. Funny. That's it. Funny. Yeah. And it's true, it is. One step above... Movie. It's a movie. (laughs) Today we will be covering, well, actually, before I say what we'll be covering, let's tell you who we are. This is the Pool Scene Podcast. I'm Kevin, just a swab, looking to work my way up the ranks. I'm joined by Captain Jim. Hey, boss. Today we will be covering 1992's Captain Ron, directed by Tom Eberhardt, starring Kurt Russell in a comedic role and Martin Short in a serious role. A little bit of a role reversal, a big problem for people. Yeah, huge problem. People were like, you can't have Martin Short not be the comedian. You can't have Kurt Russell be the comedian and not serious. And that's when I said, can you imagine if they would have flipped the rules in this movie and Martin Short's Captain Ron? I hate it. No, it's awful. The main reason we are sailing through this one is to discuss whether this is a Snake Plissken origin story. And to talk about the surprising PG-13 scene that probably made for a lot of awkward family movie nights. We got a titty. (laughs) We will get into those momentarily. We will also be discussing the best dad rock songs in our pool check. Which is fascinating. It's absolutely fascinating that people think that some of these songs are dad rock. There's a lot of sailing and nautical family movies. In addition to Captain Ron, there's Summer Rental. One Crazy Summer, and on and on and on. I know that's just two that I mentioned, or three, but there's like 50. But Summer Rental also has one of my favorite unsung hero characters in it that I always found fascinating. The weird guy who doesn't move well, and his name is Yorku. Yeah. Mommy, can I play in the basement with Yorku? Well, if it's okay with Yorku... <laughs> Mommy, can I go downstairs and play with Yorku? Yeah, he's... You forget about Yorku. Yeah, everybody forgot he, about Yorku. He's on the boat throwing out the frozen food. <laughs> Scully's catches of the day. Yeah, so I, I don't think that nautical and uh, sailing and boat racing movies perform so well at the box office. I can imagine. So, Jim, how about you tell us the budget and box office for Captain Ron and how we were living in 1992? All right, so Captain Ron debuted three days after my 11th birthday on September 18th, 1992. This movie had a budget of $24 million, which I'm pretty sure a lot of it was wrapped up in Kurt Russell's pay and where they filmed this, because they sure yeah. as hell didn't film this at Geauga Lake. No. They filmed it in the Caribbean. Yes. But it only made $22 million at okay. the box office, so it bombed. Yeah. Before I get into the news further, I want to say... You know, rest in peace, Dustin Diamond. Screech died. Yeah. We all know about the stories of past couple years, you know, past couple years, more like a decade, how you read all these stories, how he was a real POS. You know, he well, had his demons. So, not to go, we've, we've went into Saved by the Bell multiple times yeah, on this podcast. but. When Saved by the Bell started, the rest of them were like 15. So not, not 
good morning, Miss Bliss, but yeah. say by the bell. So most of them were about 15, you know, yeah. the, the cast. He was like 11 or He was 12. 11. Yeah. So that's one reason that they kind of pushed him aside. But they treated him like a real, you know, piece of shit. So as he got older, he lashed out against He did, them. but that doesn't explain some of, you know, the behavior. How that his he, dick is so big that when he sits on a toilet, it hits water. Yeah, well, that shit. Yeah, that he did a, an adult movie, which he regrets. And he was actually, that was a double. It oh, wasn't, wasn't even no, legit dick. No, he literally, for, cock. for a cash grab, was like, I'm going to make an adult, adult movie. They had someone else perform as him and so on and so forth. But in 2015, he had actually made amends with Mario Lopez, yeah. who whatever show he was on at the time, you know, E or I don't know what he does. But before Colonel Sanders. Yeah, he yes, <laughs> he had Dustin on and basically said, you know, I'm sorry. And Screech said, well, I'm sorry for all the stuff I did. And, they, you know, they made amends. But then he was like, I haven't talked to. Yeah, because they never reached out to him about I the never, reboot. I haven't talked to Mark Paul or Tiffany or any of them since like 1992 or whatever it was. And it's like he was diagnosed with lung cancer and then he went like that. He and, went quick. Yeah, so a lot of the, you know, Mark Paul Gossler did, and Tiffany Thiessen did post like a thing saying like, you'll be missed and stuff. And people were like, why now, guys? Like, yeah. that's pretty. It's pretty shitty. Yeah. But I wanted to bring that up because we, you guys all know by now that Saved by the Bell was a big, big part of us growing up in the early 90s. It was huge. Back to Captain Ron and the news. One of the biggest radio stars of all time, if not the biggest, the king of all media, the man that got me into radio, Howard Stern debuted and began broadcasting in Dallas on 97.1 FM. But you guys will remember this more. He appeared as Fartman at the MTV yeah. Video Music Awards. Yep. That whole as thing. Ass jiggling. Ass jiggling. It was bad. It kicked off the movie Private Parts. Yeah. That's where you start. Lucy in the Peanuts comics raises her psychiatric help from five cents to 47 cents. So even inflation hit the Peanuts characters. Wow. What a fucking rip. 47 cents. You know, if minimum wage grew yeah. exponentially at the rate it should have since the introduction of minimum wage, then minimum wage would now be $22 an hour based on the increases of inflation, everything else. But minimum wage, what is it? Seven eighty-five, seven fifteen, something, something like, like that. that there. Yeah. So yeah, fifteen dollars behind where it should be. Notoriously behind the rest of the world when it comes to stuff like that. I mean, look at the look at the COVID vaccine. It's supposed to be widely available to everybody. It's not. You know why? So the government can make sure that all the stockholders oh, yeah. have all their affairs in order before it's widely distributed. And then we had the big stock thing this week with GameStop and all that shit. But y'all know that it was the rich won't let the poor man bring them down. No. Just can't let that happen. No, they're going to get bailed. They're going to exactly. get bailed out. However, one of the bright moments of 1992, astronaut Mae Jemison becomes the first African-American woman to go into space aboard Endeavor STS-47. So a huge, huge moment. Greg Kingsley, 12 years old, set a landmark court decision by winning the right to divorce his parents and live with his foster parents. And he takes the name Sean Russ. Now, I can remember this making headlines, being a kid, be like, oh, yeah? Fuck you, mom. You're not going to give me my fucking toy? We're going to court. You know, I remember that shit because all the kids would be like, oh, you can do this? I'm going to fucking divorce my yeah, parents. That's... Yeah, it's fucking wild. Yeah. It got crazy. But that's our court system. But now, in the world of sports, hit it, George. Good evening, everybody. I'm George Michael, and welcome to the Sports Machine. The National Football League decided to suspend World League 
football. In your face football with USA's Emmy-winning helmet cam. Catch the action when the Barcelona Dragons take on the Birmingham Fire. World League football on USA. Saturday night at 8 Eastern. Now, World League football, as you know, is basically European American football, like the Frankfurt Galaxy, the Rhine Fire, the Scottish Claymores. It was really cool. Some of the guys kind of made it over here, but not too well. But who did? Can you name any of them? <sighs> I don't. I, I don't remember it being all. I remember the marketing behind it being awesome. It was huge. Like, seeing all the logos and stuff. I always liked that. I remember every now and then you'd go to Koenig's and you'd see, oh, you can buy a World League jersey over here. And you'd be like, what the fuck is that? Yeah, but I don't remember the product being Yeah, really I can't remember it being that big. The first female to play in an NHL exhibition game. I don't know if you remember her or not, Kevin. Manon Rayom. She was a goalie for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Gives up two goals on nine attempts in one period. I do remember the introduction of women's hockey to the Olympics. Yes. Which was cool, but do not remember that. A female goalie for the Lightning. Mm -hmm. Did not last long. Needless to say, did not last long. Magic Johnson decides he's going to return to play basketball. He didn't. He just, I'm going to come back. Nah, I'm just going to, you know, pay in Barcelona. I played Barcelona. I'm going to come back. But then they have to realize, remember in Barcelona, there were a lot of teams who were like, I yeah. don't want to play with him because I don't want to get AIDS. Yeah. And well, in 92, I mean, AIDS were was still <laughs> yeah. misunderstood. And people were like, if he sweats on me, mm-hmm. if I touch him, I yeah. get AIDS. Is he not like HIV free now that he... That, I mean... <laughs> that kind of just went away. If you're rich... That like, seems like one you can beat, you know, not triple cocktail yeah. after 30 years. He's good. The number one song in America is one of the best ballads of all time. Now, as a DJ, I've asked or I've been asked by the bride and groom, hey, can you play this song? And I always like to tell them, you know what that means, right? Kind of means breaking up. Voice to men, end of the road, the number one song in America. Yeah. Oh, It's a great song, but that means your first day as a couple, you want me to play a song about breaking up? All right, fuck yeah, it. Yeah, there's a talk down part where it's like, maybe, maybe I knew about that other man. I just didn't care because I'm a cuck. Everybody get up and join the bride and groom for your bridal song, End of the Road. We've talked about that one before. It's so good. The number one movie in America. In America. That's a new, all of a sudden I become some sort of Chicagoan. The number one movie in America, Sneakers. Can you guarantee my safety? Where is the item? Can you guarantee my safety? Martin, you've got trouble. Here, maybe this might help. An old buddy of mine was in Desert Storm sent it to me. Of course, he was on the other side. Now give me the bomb, Martin! Whoa. Yeah, it's kind of just random. It was only like for two weeks, and that was it. 92 was kind of an up and no down No one year. ever thought about it ever again. No, they are like, fuck it. And that's... All that was going on in America on September the 18th in and around 1992. All right. Thank you, Jim. Let's float through the plot of Captain Ron. In Chicago, the Harveys live a mostly boring life. Martin has an office job, a wife who's an architect, a 16-year-old daughter who's engaged. Mom, Dad, guess what? <laughs> I got engaged. <laughs> Yo, Mom, Dad. And an 11-year-old That son. is never really brought up ever again. No, they... Glossed over. Yeah, just kids will be kids. Uh, we got to give these kids some layers. Daughter's engaged to a, a metalhead. He was listening to a lot of uh, poison idea and stuff. <laughs> got to give him some Dream layers. Dream theater. 
Martin learns that his deceased uncle has left him a 60-foot yacht once owned by Clark Gable. It's not just an old boat. He bought it from the Clark Gable estate, for God's sake. Are you serious? Absolutely. So I phoned three boat brokers. She's worth over a quarter of a million dollars. Get me out of here! <laughs> Honey, we can really use that money! Yeah. We can get out from under the second on the house and pay <laughs> off the credit card debt! Martin wants to take his family to St. Potato Island, to get the yacht to sell it. Kevin, it, say it in a French way. It sounds classier. Saint Pompeter. Yes. Uh, Je suis under la table. When they arrive at the island, the yacht is trashed. It's in no condition to sell. When the broker learns this, so they had set up a sale through a broker. $250,000, Yes. Believe. So when the broker learns this, he canceled. He was going to send an experienced sailor to assist them to sail the yacht the to Miami. Instead, he hires a local named Ron Rico. Yeah, centers are important. Learn that in rehab. <laughs> they sail through the Caribbean, convinced that Captain Ron is a moron. Oh. They have run-ins with gorillas, not gorillas, yeah. gur, gorillas, as well as pirates in Cuba who steal their yacht. Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I thought we ought to have them, boss, because, you know, we're getting into pirate waters here pretty quick. What pirates? Pirates of the Caribbean. Been to Disney World one too many times, have we, Captain Ron? You've been to Disneyland? (laughs) Uh, Martin and his family are able to fight off the pirates using skills that Ron taught them before the Coast Guard arrives. The Harveys arrive in Miami. They say their goodbyes to Ron. As they sail towards their destination, they decide to keep the yacht and sail back as a family. In the final scene, Ron... Well, maybe. Maybe. In the final scene, Ron no longer has an eye patch. He's now cleaned up and has taken a job as a motorboat captain for, I assume, a wealthy couple. As you said, he looks like Crisp from Kindergarten Cop. Yeah, he's got to go find Dominic in the lasers. <laughs> so, Jim, unless you have anything else to mention, let's get into characters. Le Kurt Russell as Captain Ron Rico. The best. The best. Martin Short as Martin Harvey. The worst. Mary Kay Place as Catherine Harvey. Milf. Meadow Sisto as Caroline Harvey. Is she the sister of Jeremy Jeremy Sisto? Maybe. We'd have to. I can't think of any other Sisto. Ben Salisbury as Ben Harvey. And then you've got credits. General Armando, who is one of the gorillas that they bring aboard. It's played by Sunshine Legrano. It's my favorite folk singer next yeah. to Joan Baez. And then not really, Paul Anka plays the yacht broker. Okay, I knew he looked familiar. Yeah. Okay. That's really it. Which actor or actress gives a passable performance? Does any non-lead character steal scenes? No, it's all about Captain Ron. It, does, it can't get any better than Captain Ron. You cretin. No, Angeline's no Cretan, boss. She's a Puerto Rican. I can't stand Martin Shortness. He's annoying. The wife, I love her because she's in my favorite movie of all time, The Big Chill. The kids are annoying. Every other ancillary character. There is a scene in this movie where she's talking to two guys that are in a BMW when they end up at St. Hogg. Apparently, she's trying to set up an orgy. Yeah. I have no idea what's happening. I mean, the got clubs there, and it's really cool. I am engaged. Okay. <laughs> but it's kind of informal. Like... Not 
the problem? <laughs> I can't think of anybody secondary that's beyond Captain Ron. So Caroline, played by Meadow Sisto, is the older sister of Jeremy Sisto. I'm a prophet like no other. Because she had that common last name of Sisto, Sisto. that you're I put able two to and two together. Her father is Dick Sisto, wow. which sounds like a Star Wars character. Dick Sist. But he is a jazz vibist. A vi- what the fuck does that mean? I don't What's know what jazz- that means. Is that one of those assholes that just has like the snare drum in the corner and he kind of like hits a little bit I, and he I just think vibes? It's a, a, a jazz musician who doesn't have any pre recorded or written music. They just get up there and make it up as chills like, out. I'm making that up. I don't know that that's true. Bobby but, loves Reefer. Yeah, I got Kurt Russell as Ron Rico. I've got. If you take him out of this movie, it's not a movie. No, this is this is this like is a brutal. Kurt, this without. is a Kurt Russell vehicle. His yeah. throwaway lines are so fucking excellent. Diesel love their oil like a sailor loves his rum. Huh? <laughs> yes, they do. Why is that, Captain Ron? Ah, well, nobody knows. Okay, so speaking of Kurt Russell and his role, before we move to best scenes, I want to discuss the possibility of Captain Ron being a Snake Plissken origin story or a prequel to Escape from New York and L.A. Escape from New York is a 1981 John Carpenter movie that takes place in 1997. Mm-hmm. The evil future dystopia. It's a futuristic world where the entirety of Manhattan Island has been turned into a prison. Mm -hmm. So just an an island-sized prison. Yep, they wall it up. Air Force One is hijacked. It's crashed into New York City. Current prisoner and a former soldier, soldier being key, named Snake Plissken is offered a pardon if he can rescue the president within 24 hours. Because they put a like a destructive capsule in his neck that will blow and kill him there's a sequel that takes place a year later with snake being incarcerated in la and he's offered a similar deal as in new york in the films it's also mentioned that snake escaped cleveland at some point so after new york went to cleveland and then what he did in cleveland is what ended him up back in prison in la yeah before new york in 1993 Three, he was in Kansas City. So there there has been an internet theory for years and years that Captain Ron is or becomes Snake Plissken. It makes it seem that it's possible and it's an extreme possibility that he is either multiple personality or he has disassociative identity disorder. Yeah. Again, Escape from New York takes place in 97. Captain Ron takes place five years prior in 1992. Totally plausible that after 1992... In five years, World War Three could break out and the world could go to shit. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've seen what happened in the last four years. Exactly. Both played by Kurt Russell. Both wear an eye patch. The rasp of the voice is similar. Snake has a cobra tattoo, which Ron doesn't have. But Ron comments on Caroline's tattoo that he recognizes good work. Caroline's is fake, too? Oh, that's real, boss. That's primo work. Mm -hmm. So he's an enthusiast and it's foreseeable that he could get tatted in the next five years. Ron claims to be in the Navy. Snake is in the Army Special Forces. S.D. Pliskin, American, Lieutenant, Special Forces Unit, Black Light. Two Purple Hearts, Leningrad and Siberia. Youngest men to be decorated by the president. But Ron isn't exactly the most reliable source of information as his stories change frequently. Yeah, he was on the USS Saratoga. Slow down, there are boats all over the place. Ah, don't worry, they'll get out of the way. Learn that driving to Saratoga. The USS Saratoga? Yeah, the old Sarah. 
which went down in 1946. Exactly. So who knows? Ron deals with revolutionaries and pirates. He does that in Captain Ron as well as you, you know, in his past stories, he said he's had some run-ins. Yes, he does. So he's seen some things if World War III were to break out. At the end of Captain Ron, he has, and you alluded to this, he has completely transformed his identity. So not far-fetched to say Snake Plissken is just another one of his identities five years down the road. Well, because he sees the Harvey sails away. Doesn't mention one fact that, like, I know them, I know that boat, nothing. No. See, yeah, exactly. He takes on one appearance, he's Captain Ron. This character he's playing, it looks like Crisp at the end of the movie. Mm Mm-hmm. He may have another name. And then from here, he goes to Kansas City and becomes Snake Plissken. And that's where he sticks. He doesn't go to another personality. Well, He's just Snake Plissken. Yeah, his adaptability turns him into Snake Plissken. Exactly. It's just something fun to think about. It's fun. I mean, it's... There's some other, like, weird... John Carpenter at one point was said he would have directed Captain Ron. Could you imagine? Which is crazy, but John Carpenter said, I would have done it just to get to hang out in the Caribbean. Yeah. I mean, there's that whole story where Beetlejuice 2 is supposed to happen. But the original script for Beetlejuice 2 was like Beetlejuice wins like a surfing competition in Hawaii. Sandworms. You hate them, right? (laughs) I hate them myself. The Maitlands take a family vacation to Hawaii and Beetlejuice goes, wins a surfing competition and stuff. The whole reason they wrote that movie that way is because basically the writers were just like, we want to go to Hawaii, you know, for a while or whatever. It's fun, though. It's fun to think that it could be Snake Plissken. Yeah. All right, let's talk about best scenes. So we both know the number one. It's something else we tease. Just get it out of the way now. Honey, wait. Let me just the shower. Uh, Honey, a little bit. What's that? A threesome. Tits in a PG-13 movie. There are a good... You know, nothing big, nothing spectacular, but it's the fact that it is titch you don't expect to happen. That they did specifically for the shock matter. What, when did this, this came out in September. This so came out in September 92. This would have come out on video probably, sometimes those were a little late. So let's Six say, months later. Let's say by spring or summer of 93, this came out on VHS. A lot of families were going to Blockbuster, going to your local Ma and Pa video store. I love store. Martin Short, Kurt Russell. They're pulling the, the tape off the shelf and saying, it says funny right on yeah, the cover. I'm going to take New York Post for granted. Come so, on. No, not the New York Post. What is it? It's not New York Daily News. New York Newsday. Oh, they, okay. Yeah. So they pull the video off the shelf, say, we're going to sit down on the couch. We're going to pop some popcorn, Jiffy Pop, or yeah. pop it from Colonel's, whatever. Yeah, it's fun. We're going to watch this family movie. About halfway through or something. Not even halfway. Tits. Boom. In the shower. Yeah. Top down shot. Basically, Martin Short gets real horny. Super. And he's like. Super horny. I don't know where everybody else is at. We're going to turn the shower on to make noise. So what do you think, baby? First night in the boat. Waves lapping against the hall. You. Me. In our own floating palace. Skipper, the palace walls are kind of thin. We're not alone. Aha. Not about that. It's the shower and a little camouflage noise. Well, because the son and Captain Ron are playing Gamble Monopoly up on deck. Yeah. Caroline the whore pays off Ron. Pays off Ron and and her brother. brother and heads off onto the island. Yeah. And they're just going to go, let's have some sex. They're going to have some sex. And... Now, you made a good point while we watched this. 
they're in this tiny little closet size shower. Very small. So they almost had to shoot it from above. Yeah. And you almost wonder if maybe they didn't plan on showing tits. How could you? You couldn't avoid it. But exactly. But you couldn't avoid it because it's like this is just like a wholesome family movie. And I, I don't know this this actress. You, Mary Kay she's plays. In a, Big chill. Big chill. She's been a lot of things. But it's just bonker. It's uh, uh, it would have made for so many awkward family movie nights where it's just like, oh, kids, like you know, this is funny. Captain Ron's hilarious, and Dad, you know, he's at his breaking point. Hey, the tits. And like, here's the thing: the director. I don't know if anybody is familiar with how movies are filmed. The director has screens in front of him, even in '92, of what's being shot. Yeah, he sees tits. He's gonna be like, guys, oh, cut, Mary. We see your tits. We're gonna have to redo this. Or it's Martin. Fine. We see your bare ass. Yeah. Nope. It's just really weird. And we're, we're going to talk about later some other nudity scenes in PGG, PG-13 movies. I mean, it's weird that, oh, fuck it, I'll admit it. We all went to Wankavision on this family movie. I mean, for it's, Jesus. It's so weird. It's not really explicit or graphic to see her her breasts. It's the shock. It's yeah, exactly in that movie. It's it's the fact that it's almost like the sex scene is almost too explicit for a uh, yeah. They could have just implied that they were down there humping. Yeah, but instead they show it like they they show a nude sex scene in a family movie <laughs> yeah it's just it's just a weird choice yeah it's very weird i thank them for it though it's great like, how can you not love this scene all right let's let's move on to the next <laughs> one jim you go ahead and give us your another best scene okay so my next scene is when they stop off at the island or well, one of the islands that has a a restaurant for some reason but we'll get into that in logic and captain ron tells martin Listen, stay on the path because there's gorillas in the woods. And so he thinks there's like, go, yeah, like Congo. So, so, of course, he strolls off into the woods and he comes across gorillas. They eventually barter a deal. They agree to clear their guns if they give him a lift. Well, Martin, back on the boat, just goes off and says, I don't know, Dad. That's what you said about the gorillas. And I was right. He said gorilla, not gorilla. Gur, go. Huge difference, kids. Huge difference. So I, good. I have this. I have the extension of this scene, so I'll talk about it now. So he gets... All you see is kind of guns pointed at him. And in this movie, there's a couple instances where they, they do good storytelling, where they don't necessarily beat you over the head with the exposition or show you. They just take you logically into the next step. You see the kids polishing guns downstairs in the boat. They're polishing these guns. And dad's like, "Where? what are these? And basically they say, well, Ron had to negotiate with the gorillas. Yeah, the gur. Yeah, the gorillas. We basically have to give them a ride in order for them to not take us captive. Or are we going to die? Yeah, or we're going to die or get taken captive. Mm -hmm. So playing Mo Monopoly and, uh, you know, I, there's interacting with the family yeah so which is weird like why all of a sudden you're like you're threatened by these guys who let's be honest don't look threatening to say the least however they have such a kind heart that they start playing monopoly with them they're gambling it's just wholesome family fun kevin yeah. i mean come on tits and gorillas so that was my uh my one oh okay yeah i, oh, I, I got another it. one too okay. but go ahead i have the pirate chase scene in cuba It's a Cuban cops you gotta worry about. Grand Theft Auto's a major biggie around here. Grand Theft Auto! 
Oh, yeah. So the reason that Ron barters for the guns is because he tells them there are pirates of the Caribbean. Which he finds ludicrous. Like, you're going to Disney World too, Cameron? So pirates of the Caribbean, you're going to need the guns to fight them off. Well, Martin throws the guns overboard. And which now means they have to bring the gorillas aboard. They, they can't give them back their guns. What did you trade for those guns? Well, now, there's the beauty of it. Nothing. Nada. See, they needed a lift into San Juan, and since we was heading there tomorrow anyway... Look, this is my boat. You understand? Yeah. We aren't giving anyone a lift, especially a bunch of armed revolutionaries. Whatever you say, boss. I'll just give them the guns back and the whole thing will be off. Anyhow, the... Sure enough... Pirates arrive, take the boat, take the yacht, put them in a life raft, which is nice. Which they needed to have on the fucking boat to begin with. Yes, you don't see them do that, but they allow the wife to keep her purse, (laughs) give them a a lifeboat, which floats to Cuba. For 16 hours, they were adrift. Yes, and they float right where they need to float, right next to their boat. And even more implausibly, Captain Ron is there in a car that he stole. Why wouldn't he be in Cuba? He, there's basically just this chase scene around town. It's almost sun up and he gets the Martins out of there. It's, it's just a good, it's a little chase scene, a little action sequence. Just gotta, makes no sense. Gotta love there. when they are in the car and they throw it in the reverse. There's no scenery at all. They just totally forget the fact, oh, we're filming this on a soundstage. You'd think you'd put up a cardboard wall full of cutout buildings. Nah, it's a waste of time. So my next one throughout this whole movie there is just the downfall of Martin's Martin's respect and his tolerance towards Captain Ron because the family is really starting to come around Captain Ron. He's the cool guy. Yeah. And he's the weird dad with giant collared shirts. Yeah, Martin keeps a journal. He keeps a captain's it's basically, log. Yeah. yeah, captain's log that's basically just animosity towards Ron. Day 10. Sailing lessons continue about as well as can be expected under Captain Moron's direction. <laughs> Don't worry, kitty. Could happen to anyone. So no matter the situation Captain Ron is in, he knows a way to get out of it, or he knows people that will get him to the next spot. I don't know why it's just a stupid throwaway thing, because he has so many good throwaway lines. You'll hear it here on the pod. <laughs> three houses, that's 375, that's 37 cents. Well, that's half the money I have left. Yeah, shit happens. Cough it up. But he has this one where he doesn't know where to go. He got lost. So where does he go? And he gets his information. Ted's! Well, you heard of St. Croix. Yeah. We're going to the island just to the left of it. What's it called? Ted's. Ted, yeah. <laughs> Fucking, who's Ted? You never meet <laughs> Ted, but he knows somebody named Ted that can get him around the Caribbean. Captain Ron is the fucking, the man. Yeah. And it just, the dichotomy of Ron and Martin. And there's also a scene in this movie where Martin decides to attempt murder captain ron to shoot him with a flare gun with a fall with a fucking flare gun which is weird just rise above it marty besides you're probably missing hit the girl dad ah! don't sneak up on me like that dad went through the deck <gasps> get the boat on fire ah! get the boat on fire as captain ron as he gets jealous because he thought a girl in the water who you think initially is a fucking mirage mermaid. Yeah. I don't think she's waving at you, Captain Ron. She's not? I sincerely doubt it. Hey, Clarice! Babe! Who are you waving at? Captain Ron knows Clarice, and he literally says, 
Hey, boss, she wants my manhood. What it's, can I do? It reminds me of uh, Christmas Vacation or any yes. of the vacation movies. Because yes. Clark will look out the window. Christy Brinkley yeah, or like, the girl imagine, in the pool. Imagine, you know, this girl. Yeah. And it's like Martin's married. He's here with his family. But he really wants this girl to be signaling to him. I don't think she's waving at you, Captain Ron. Yeah, and then when she's not, he's he's angry enough that she's waving at Captain Ron. <laughs> it's the it's murderer. Like the, it's the straw that broke the camel's back. I'm going to get this fucking flare gun. I'm going to show you, pal. Any other scenes you want to mention? No, I'm Let's good. Let's move on to the pool check. Here we go, everybody. Clear the pool. Grab the Mizumet. Pool check. So in the news recently, there's a, now that's what I call dad rock <laughs> CD. There are... Probably it's from the now that's what I call music franchise. Yeah. And there's probably 700 CDs. for. Yeah, we got to be up to 420 by now. Yeah. Stoke them if you got well, them again. There's a new one called now. That's what I call dad rock, which I take issue with. I will tell you when I think of dad rock, I think of Nike Air Monarchs, jean shorts, mowing the grass, maybe a can of beer, no headphones, no silver boombox radio in the garage, cassette tape deck in that boombox. Miller's Genuine Draft, Feed Up, Just Wax the Trans Am in the Driveway. Yep. Nylon dad Strap, rock. Chair. Poster of White Snake. Yep. Dad Rock. That's what I think of Dad Rock. However, Jim, I want you to go through some of the tracks. Now, there are 51 tracks. To encompass every father, it appears. I don't believe... I could be wrong, but that these are actually physically released on disc anymore, which probably explains why there's 51 tracks. Exactly. Some of them make perfect sense. We will rock you. Okay. Living on a prayer. All right. That one. Yeah, for sure. Start me up. Okay. It's old, you know, Rolling Stones, okay, older it's dads. Stones, you know, and then we're starting to get with or without you. Yeah. You too. Yes. Dad rock band with right. or without you. Mr. Brightside, now we're starting to get into Younger Dad. Uh, that's, that's a great song. It's an excellent song. Yeah. Dad Rock, no. Dakota Stereophonics, I have no idea who that is. I don't know what that is. Hosier, Take Me to Church, not, not a Dad Rock not, song. I don't, that song's for like crying 12-year-old girls. Yeah. And then you have stuff like Sweet Home Alabama. That's where I think sure. you Don't Fear the Reaper. Yes. Sure. Meatloaf. Yes. Ace of Spades. And then let's scan down a little bit. There She Goes by the Law Laws. No. no that is not ho hey by the lumineers mm -mm. no that's not dad rock and one of the biggest offenders i think by far complicated by avril lavigne is dad rock so weird what the fuck is that in a dad rock category yeah i don't pompeii by bastille no no who the fuck sat down and goes I need to construct a dad rock thing. Well, I have to assume I, there's somebody in their I late thirties in this. Imagine dragons on there. I don't think uh, that band. I don't think if good? you got no. into that band when you were born, that you would be old enough now to father a child. It was what? Well, when did magic dragons come out? Like 10, 10 years ago or so. I don't know. I would assume. Yeah. You're it, fucking early then. I guess. Apparently I guess kids <laughs> just have sex earlier. Maybe, nowadays. maybe it's just music dads have adopted. I don't, I don't know. Uh, it's a, it's embarrassing. They should be ashamed of themselves. All right. Well, with that awkwardness, that is the playlist they've provided. Jim and I have taken it upon ourselves to give you better dad rock songs. The definitive dad rock songs. Okay. My number five greatest dad rock song is a band just for dads. No one else. Just dads. Yeah. 
Steely Dan, Reeling in the Years. Oh, it's perfect. Are you reeling in the years? Stowing away the time. That is the dad anthem. Quintessential. Yes, that is absolutely, again, Miller Genuine Draft, jean shorts. Yes. Monarchs. Sitting in the garage. You're listening to Steely Dan reeling in the years. That is dad rock. My number five, Phil Collins in the air tonight. Yeah. You could be that dad had a long day at fucking work. You get home from Packard. The wife's giving you issues. Kids are nonstop yelling. You go out in a garage. You turn the speakers up. The drum solo hits. Everything is right with the world. Yep. Number five. Number four. White Snake. Here I go again. Perfect. Here I go again on my own. Going down the only road I've ever known. The original. Now yes. remember not they the re-released it. Not Fuck the radio that. pop remix. Yes. The original. You're working on your your project Trans Am. Your wife's the on the hood of the car. Yeah, and you're like, I gotta get this car tuned up for summer. Got yeah. the garage door open. I'm listening. Here I go again on my own. Taking a drag of that Marlboro Red. Yep. My number four. This is another quintessential one. Fog hat, slow ride. Yes. Come on. Yeah. You're going cruising with your boys. When you were in high school, you're going to A and W. Come eight, on, I got an eight track tape player in, and I got Fog Hat. <laughs> I got the best one. I went to Hills and bought Fog Hat. Number three, Kansas. Carry on, my wayward son. Carry on, my wayward son. There'll be peace when you are done. Lay your weary head to rest. Don't you cry no more. Exactly. Yes. This is exactly dad rock. This is dad. And not just because our dads were of this age or are of this age, but that's dad. That's timeless dad rock. You could be a 21 year old dad or a 45 year old dad. You're listening to Kansas carry on my way. You know what? You literally could take the dazed and confused soundtrack, which we covered way back in season one on Apple and Spotify. Check it out. That whole soundtrack is a dad rock soundtrack. Yes. My number three. And you can't get much more dad rock than this, everybody. Credence Clearwater Revival, Fortunate yes. Son. Guess what? I'm going to Vietnam and I'm bombing people. And dads are still misinterpreting that song. They think it's like a hell yeah, America. No. No, not an American. Burn your draft cards there, kids. Yeah. <laughs> Number two. Also a wedding staple for whatever reason, but at weddings, it's dads who are rocking out, spinning around on the floor to ACDC, You Shook Me All Night Long. You shook me all night long. You have no idea how many times I've played this song at a wedding, especially when you're drunk. Yes. It's epic. Drunk dads, they're doing all sorts of bazooka moves and spinning around bazooka on the floor. Moves. Yeah, they're doing like the the Frank They're doing the, the guns? Yes. Like Batista? Yes. 
Oh my God, you're right about that. My number two, I actually have a story when it comes to number two. I was listening to the song when I cut the tip of my finger off when I worked at Max and Irma's Cutting a Reuben Sandwich. That song, Led Zeppelin, The Immigrant Song. Yep. Tip of my finger right off. Another, come on. You, sc- you screamed like that. Exactly. Yep. Number one, in my opinion, number one, the definitive dad rock song that I sing all the time on this podcast, Twisted Sister, We're Not Gonna Take It. Beyond, beyond incredible. Come Dad, on. When dads get wronged, they're thinking in their mind. I'm going to beat the fuck out of my not boss. We're going to take it. They're thinking Twisted Sister D. Snyder singing in their head. We're not going to take it. We're dads. I'm going to take that bonsai tree. I'm going to break that fucker in half. That's what I think. Yeah. So my number one. Barnes. Number one. Barnes and Karate Kid 3 probably had some kids. Oh, he definitely did. He was 17 and he had four children. I hope to hell it shows up in season four of Cobra Kai. My number one might stray a little bit, but I still think it's dad rock. Boston, more than a feeling. Yes. It's a great road trip song. Yep. This is in Scrubs. They have a air band, air guitar, air drums. They yeah. sing and they do Boston more than a feeling. It's such a great song. It's, it's really wonderful. The build up to it is excellent. All right. I got a handful of honorable mentions. You got some. I got some. We'll go back and forth. One of our favorites because of please do yourself a favor and Google Vince Neal misheard lyrics. <laughs> Motley Crue. Start Maybe covers. Jim can can plug in some of that that great singing performance. Okay, here it is. Booty call, not a good time. Big Mac 103. <laughs> fucking vince neal i'm sorry i digress i have another one Jimi hendrix voodoo child yes tom petty i won't back down that's another one where you're like you know dad's getting wronged in the grocery store he hears i won't back down by tom petty the outfield your love steppenwolf born to be wild yes poison unskinny bop scorpions rock you like a hurricane oh my god it's so good the doors anything by the doors bruce springsteen born to run i'm trying to do it like for later on dads like 90s dads lincoln park yes you definitely could yeah nirvana i have uh dire straits money for nothing chicks for free thin lizzie the boys are back in town oh my god I love that song. And Eagles Hotel California. Man, come on. I had a rough night and I hate the fucking Eagles, man. There's so many good dad rock songs. Why the hell did they apparently never talk to a father over the age of 35? No, no. And and like you said, by this point, Pearl Jam 
You had Definitely a lot of grunge bands. Dave Matthews band. I consider Dave Matthews a dad band, a weedy dad band, but yeah. still a dad Weed band. Three Eleven. Yeah, probably a dad. Definitely band. could. Anything else you want to mention for for dad rock? No, but it's just very. You know what? How about me and you create a mom rock song? Yeah. What the fuck? What's a good mom rock song? Um. I'm trying to think Adele, anything by Adele. Oh, definitely. So it's going to be like, I thought it'd be more women's lib, like Dixie chicks, Joni Mitchell, Melissa Etheridge. Come to my window. Paula Cole. There are so many. I mean, what they did is literally, they probably took women that were in the room and said, what's a dad rock song. So why don't we just have guys do a mom rock? Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's yeah, definitely. We could, we could come up with it pretty easily. Yeah. Now that's what I call music. You guys, I'm talking to you out there. We are fucking offended well, by this. Let us know what your dad rock songs are, what your mom rock songs are. Yes. Just where they went wrong. If you've got anything, please reach out to our social media and interact with the show. They should do kids bop dad songs. <laughs> oh. Nothing but a good time. <laughs> yeah. All right. Everybody, moms and dads included, after you've had your your wine and your MGDs. You want a beer, you get your own beer. Get on back in the pool. Everybody back in the pool! Jim, our critical question this week. Where does the nudity in Captain Ron rank against other examples of GPG PG-13 nudity? If we had to put this on a grade scale from A to F, I would say because if this if we're just taking it at face value, not knowing what movie it came from, it's a C to a D. Yeah, but the shock value of this movie elevates it to at least a B. It's it's accidental accidental. I said that like in English. Accidental. Hello. Uh accidental nudity, I Roy. feel like. It's not like Hey, somebody opens a door and she's standing there with her bush with her. Yeah. Full frontal. Yeah. You've got Doc Hollywood, Julie Warner. She gets out of the lake and just walks up to Michael J. Fox nude. That one's a little bit more cheeky. Hi, Sue. (laughs) Titanic. Kate Winslet getting drawn. French girls. Oh, my God. Uh, Fifth Element. You see Mila Jovovich change. Yeah. Lulu Dallas multipass. 16 candles. There's a scene where they're like watching a girl shower. Mm-hmm. And uh, talking about her body. And of course, the number one nudity in a PGG or PG 13 movie, in my opinion, we've covered on this podcast. And we reached out to said star of the film. interacted with her. Yes. Is number one, just one of the guys, it's Joyce Heisler, who shows Rick her breasts and he says, Where do you get off having tits? The best breasts, best breast scene in movie history because it's they got away with it in a pg-13 movie probably one because it was the 80s yeah two because it's vital to the plot you have to see the tits yeah how this guy is that stupid did not put two and two together yeah so first off she has bumps and she's not a chubby or fat kid so you gotta start thinking yeah so but in this movie in captain ron it's almost surprising that they got away with it because they didn't have to but it's like, how the hell did this not get a higher rating? Because you know the MPAA has to review movies. Yeah, they were like, rate them. guys, can you be a little bit more creative with this with this editing and just get the nudity out of this? Now, the butt through the glass. Okay, it's fine. a it's a butt. Yeah. You see nipple. Surprising. Yeah, it's 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 astonishingly great. All right, let's talk about some logic. It all could have been different, Mr. Walker. You should have allowed nature to take its course. 
And, and I have a couple more uh, critical type things to discuss. Oh, I got some logic. You want to go first? Yeah, I got one. So when Martin, after he decides, I'm not going to kill Captain Ron with a flare gun, he shoots the flare through the hull of the boat. I think it's virtually impossible for that to happen. But the boat starts to catch fire. He grabs the flare with pliers, and then he fucks around with wearing to throw the flare. Mark, what happened, honey? Are you all right? What do you, makes you think I'm not all right? Still there? He finally throws it out the porthole, but it seems for days on end, he is blinded. He can't see anything. Yeah. It's how exactly if if he were still blind that much later after having the flare in his face, he'd be like permanently blind. And it's not just basic blind. Like when she establishes that Clark Gable and Carol Lombard scribed their initials on the post of their bed, she had to grab his like finger Braille. like Braille and guide him through the letters. Isn't that amazing? Oh, that is that's great. Oh, your poor eyes. Come here. Yeah. Come on. I've been to like loud concerts where your ears ring for a day and you're like, well, when am I going to get my hearing back? This is like four days. But I've never lost my vision from something and been like, man, I hope my vision comes back. Yeah. He's. No, it's too much. They don't get him any medical care or anything. He just. I could have went to Ted's. (laughs) Besides, if we get lost, just got to pull in somewhere and ask directions. Just deals with had a burger. Uh, Well, that's my first one. So they get lost. They end up on this island where the gorillas are and right where they they have to swim to shore. There's no dock. There's no raft. They don't have a fucking raft, but the goddamn they have to jump off the, the yacht and swim to shore. As soon as they arrive on shore, thankfully. There's a restaurant <laughs> operating out of an airplane called Wong's Bongo Burger. Hey, give me a double bongo bacon burger and a bongo, dog, huh? Why is it there? How many ships? <laughs> if if enough ships are arriving, you'd have a dock. You would have a dock. You would think. If enough ships are arriving that a restaurant can flourish there, why is there no dock? I it's, can't wait. We're going to Bermuda, guy. Wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Bongos, turn it. Yeah, Ron wants no. to dance some uh, mambo or something. They've got a stereo playing. He tries to dance with the daughter. He tries to dance with the wife. Oh, forget it. I can't dance this, Chuck. Nobody can. Oh, check this out. Come on, kitty. Oh, I can't dance in these brown boat shoes. I'll kick them off. And where are they getting the meat from? Don't know. Gorillas or from gorillas? Soylent green burgers. It is. Like Subway. Subway makes me want some soylent green subs. Yeah, when the news broke last week that they found out the tuna in the tuna sub isn't tuna. Just like their bread was made out of yoga mats. It should be no surprise considering the chicken McNuggets from McDonald's aren't really chicken. I don't know what... I. Don't hey, just don't tell me. Tastes fucking great though. Who doesn't? Who doesn't love that stuff? Here's my next one. So they end up finally through all this rigmarole at Carnival. That's where yeah. the inevitable where they wanted to show up. They all get split up because they're at this big party. At one point, when Martin's fed up, we're getting the fuck out of here. We're going home. Caroline is dancing with a guy she met on the island, and then he's trying to talk to her. You know, him and his wife. Caroline has the power to shut down the band for fucking everybody because she proceeds to say this. What are you doing? <laughs> the Honey, where is your brother? 
Oh, uh, he's around here someplace. You guys! See, it was Captain Ron's idea. He didn't want us wandering around on the street because he said something might happen, so we found this ban. And then that's it. Ban shut off. I don't care about anybody. I'm trying to talk to my dad right now. What gives her the power to stop Carnival? It makes no sense. Ron claims to have piloted the USS Saratoga which started service in 1922 and was sunk by an atomic bomb in 1946. Mm -hmm. So he's a time traveler. Pretty impressive. I, or again, just a faulty narrator. You can't really buy his stories. He's Snake Plissken. I hope there is a definitive. I want to interview Kurt Russell. We need to get Kurt Russell on the podcast. Yeah, what do you think? We're going to break it. Kurt, what do you think? Let's let's hear from you, Snake. You have any other logic issues? Yeah, I have another one. Pirates of the Caribbean, funny as it is steal their boat just fucking steal their boat but give them a raft let the wife keep her purse and Mm -hmm. her belongings they in actuality they would have killed them Uh raped them Mm -hmm. and let them sink and die but also they happen to just be in a raft for 16 hours and find cuba which captain ron and their boat are conveniently at it's like they took the boat and then somehow the raft just like drifted just drifted in the wake of the boat and arrived exactly where it needed to and then how did ron get there (laughs) it's it's the fact that they drifted for nearly a full day and found their way to cuba and you know this movie again was edited in a way where they don't tell you every single thing you see the pirates coming Mm -hmm. then the next scene is them in a life raft so you actually don't see the pirates throw them overboard, throw them in a raft. You don't see any of that. There's a lot of scenes that could have been edited out of this movie. Like the very last scene where you see, apparently not Captain Ron anymore, Crisp from Kindergarten yes. Cop drift towards a tanker for like 20 seconds. Yeah. Like what's the purpose of that? Yeah. I have one more real quick. It's the, the shower sex itself. That's an old boat that is just junk. I mean, a lot of it's junk. The woods... How can that water back that far up and not leak out of that wa- that oh, yeah. shower it's, thing? Yeah. It would have been everywhere. The shower apparently forms like a vacuum seal mm-hmm. that they could have drowned in there. Yeah, the O-rings, yeah. Martin accidentally, he gets out of the shower, accidentally puts a mop. The mop perfectly falls into the hook and locks them into the shower, which a wash rag has went into the drain and clogged it, and the water is up to their waist. And somehow it doesn't leak through. So I had a, as part of logic, I had another critical type question I wanted to ask. Do you think Ron is just kooky or is he like in full blown need of help? Like, would you go as far to say that he's dangerous? We're going to fucking die. I wouldn't say he's dangerous, but I think he has multiple personality issues. I mean, when we first meet Ron, he's borrowed his friend's car, so he says, and it goes over the dock into the water. He hurries up and gets, you know, the family onto the boat so that they can leave. And then this guy shows up and is shooting at him. Captain Ron, where is my That's that he stole his wife. Yeah, said he stole. That's our first introduction to Ron. He gambles a lot. Obviously, the <laughs> the USS Saratoga thing. He lost his eye in a craps he, game. He lost his eye in a crap game. The USS Saratoga thing. He says he piloted a, a ship that went down in 1946. Is he just a character? Is he just like a wild dude who just like makes this stuff up? Does he lie in order to impress people? Or is he... Is he in on the joke or like my theory on Ron 
aside from the Snake Plissken thing, my theory on Ron is that he's probably a veteran with PTSD who not only needs these adventures for himself, but he also, in a way, acts as a therapist. Because you get an example. At the end of this movie, he fe- like feigns, like pretends to break his leg so that because he overhears the kids questioning their father. So he essentially gives them the tools and puts them in a situation to where the dad can be the hero and Ron lies and says he breaks his legs so that he can't help in any way. I'm kind of out of action here. Bone's about to punch through the skin. <laughs> hey! Uh, leg feels a lot better now, boss. While he calls the Coast Guard, you know, Martin is like dealing with the pirates saving the day makes me think ron kind of just jumps from situation to situation doing this exact thing almost as like a therapist rather than just a a captain he's a perfect chameleon who is also a grade a bullshit artist and he's excellent at what he does it looks like he's dividing that family up initially but then he ends up bringing them back together with all the bullshit tools he taught them. I, I mean, mean but, look, they know how to sail a boat now. But you think he's smart enough that he oh, planned he on that. Oh, yeah. he knows. What is his story then really? I mean, it's it's almost like that doubles down that he is Snake Plissken because Snake Plissken is a prisoner who also is always in a position He that, makes the best of that everything. They need him. You go in. Find the president, bring him out in 24 hours, and you're a free man. 24 hours, huh? I'm making you an offer. Bullshit. Straight, just like I said. I'll think about it. No time. Give me an answer. Get a new president. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, he he's one step ahead of everyone. Okay, so hear me out here. How old do you think Ron is here? He's got to be near 40? Yeah, he's early 40s. Okay, so if we take that, he's born in 52. We're going to put two and two together and say he served in Vietnam. Yeah. Snake Plissken. His backstory is he got popular. He became like a, a folk hero after the siege of Leningrad. Yeah. So paralleled. He was a hero in Vietnam. Say he got some sort of Congressional Medal of Honor. He was a hero of Leningrad. These two points match somewhat. So what does Snake do in the meantime before he gets to 93 when he's in Kansas City? I'm going to go off to the Caribbean. I'm going to get away. I'm going to become this other person, see what life is like on the other side. Yeah. And then that's when it diverges again. He becomes Captain Ron, and then at the end of this, after he leaves, goes off, becomes Snake Plissken. So I think it's a whole war hero, a lot of trauma. I'm going to escape who I was for a little bit and help these families out, help these couples out, give them the tools they need, and then I slip back into what I need to be. He sails from Lake Erie all the way (laughs) down around down the mississippi river through the gulf of mexico goes up back in the pacific gets all goes the way to ted's he goes to ted's <laughs> all right uh, what's the legacy of this movie now according to wikipedia and i quote given the dearth of nautical comedies there was a resurgence in interest in the film during the mid 2010s what was what was the catalyst of I the resurgence I, exactly lost i don't know master and commander <laughs> Hey, we really liked Master and Commander. You would also really like Captain Ron. What if Captain Ron was on Lost and he was one of the Dharma Initiative? That'd be a great. How fucking amazing oh would that God. be? Oh my God. He's, uh, you know, there we find out there's a floating Dharma station. Live together, die alone. Yeah. Hey guys, if you don't start living together, you're going to die alone. Hey, sometimes you have to go in the, go in the forest and ask the 
Smog Monster for directions. Yes. Stick around for some plugs. Once again, pool seniors, thank you for checking out the pod this week. Remember, if you want to know what's going on, any updates, any exciting things coming around the corner, check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Pool Scene Podcast. Also at Pool Scene Pod on the Twitter. Also, if you want to drop us a line, send us an email at Pool Scene Podcast at gmail.com. Any movie ideas. We have some amazing movies coming up. If there's a movie you want us to cover, let us know. You're on the journey with us, and now back to Kevin. Now, in the landing strip, the first thing I want to do is shout out to Lil Uzi Vert. Oh, hell of a shout out. For getting a $24 million pink diamond implanted in the center of his forehead, like a real-life vision without the powers. What the fuck? He has been saying he for years he's going to do this. But the diamond cost $24 million, so okay. he, he had to save for years, and he, there's no official photographs of it yet. He So when he got it done, he called his friend via like FaceTime, and his friend took screenshots. Now, I will say, I have a couple issues. One- A couple? It looks gross. I like Because I'm like, how did they like drill into the bone and screw it in? Or, you know what I mean? Did they put like a socket? But how does he not bleed? Exactly. It looks gross around it. Like it could reject. Two, maybe it's just the angle on the video, like where the, the camera is on an iPhone. It doesn't look like it's centered. It probably isn't. It's like I have not seen these a pictures. little bit. It's $24 million pink diamond implanted in his forehead okay now here's the thing the world is full of q nutters right now more than we ever thought you're telling me that one of these people wouldn't take a pop shot at this guy to try to get that diamond out of his head exactly it, it, like if you see someone walking down the street with a giant pink diamond in the middle of their forehead that you've advertised as 24 million dollars now what you can hell, assume man? it's lil uzi vert and that he, yeah, here's a, a picture All for right. you, Jim. Looking enough. That looks off center. It looks, and it looks infected. It looks weird. It, it looks, looks like a bone is popping out of his head. Yeah, it's very, like a giant pimple. It's gross. It's very weird. And I, I don't really understand at all, like, why someone would want to do this. But, I mean, God, taking, taking fashion to the next level. Again, why not kill this guy and rip a diamond out of his forehead? Now, it must, only, must be nice to have fuck you money. Uh, the only problem is how exactly if you killed him. Well, I don't even want to yeah. put that in the ether. But how <laughs> if you were to take this diamond off of him, how would you? You couldn't sell it. You instantly would know who whose it is. Yeah, you put so. on an infinity gauntlet and you pull it out. Yeah, so he's the vision without the powers. That's crazy, dude. Yeah. But what's not crazy, Kevin, is next week is a special episode. We're doing our first ever swim meet where we cover the 1975 Arnold Schwarzenegger debut classic pumping iron just like coming it's like a coming you know and we talk about the amazing blue shirt that we have referenced from time yeah. to time on here talk about whether or not you might have rusty fenders on your bicycle it is a movie i thought it's a movie it's a documentary about how the bodybuilding craze was huge in the 70s and before when i used to work out a lot when i tried to get into it hardcore i would watch this every time before i went to work out 
It's amazing. You don't have to be into bodybuilding, and these documentaries are great. There's Generation Iron, there's Pumping Iron, there's Generation Iron 2 yeah. and 3. There's, there's a that Ky- Ronnie Coleman one. There's a Ronnie Coleman. There's a Kai Green documentary. Mm-hmm. They're all great. They're very, it's Grandma. Very, <laughs> it's very fascinating to, as a character study, if nothing else, to watch someone who wants to push their body to the limits of what a human can do yeah and we've been to the arnold classic and we've hung out with these guys it's, we, it's it's crazy it's the standing next to somebody and just seeing that amount of muscle mass their thighs like whenever i see their legs that's always like their legs are as big around as like my body i am surprised that you don't hear much they have to have massive chafing issues on those thighs man yeah. they have to and then there was that time that branch warren fell off a horse <laughs> And it's on camera. Yeah. We see it. Yeah. It's something. But pumping iron, everybody, yeah, think, listen, you'll love it. Yeah, we're gonna talk about that one. Hopefully it's streaming somewhere and you can check it out mm-hmm. and watch it and uh relive your favorite moments along with us because we're gonna talk about them next week. Oh, it's legendary. I'm excited to cover this. Okay, so until then, we'll see you next week. Bye, boss. Silencia. Silencia.